Hey there, future friends! This week, we see the other side of Toy Story, we're lush for a layup, and we have a bit of that old family magic. This is the week of March 6th, 2020, and you are listening to episode 166 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show i sound a bit better right still a little a little congested it feels like i just have this this space in my head that's been overtaken by a rock it's just a rock in my head now just this weird constant pressure and headache but hey it could be a lot worse it could be a lot worse i could have caught a virus named after a mediocre beer but alas here i am to tell you about all of the movies coming out this week, because yes, that is what we do on this show. On Future Flakes with Billion, we do a couple things. The first is we talk about any new movie news that has caught my eye since the last episode. We also talk about any trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. And then we get into the movies, which are broken up into two, count them, two categories. The first is the limited section. And the next is the wide releases and interesting indies. In both sections, I tell you the name of the film, what it's about, and who's in it. That's where Limited ends. The wide release goes on a little longer. Wide releases and interesting indies, mind you, goes on a little longer. In that section, I will tell you not only what the film is, what it's about, and who's in it, but I'll give some thoughts on it. And remember, all of my thoughts on this show are based only on the trailer. Then also with those movies and the wide releases and interesting indies, I give it a score, which I call the Billiams interest level score hey that score goes anywhere from a zero for those awful films to an 11 for those films that take it up that extra notch and then we wrap it all up with a question of the week and i send you along your way to the other great shows in the future flicks family and even though i'm not directly connected to the other shows i consider us family i do though i would like to guest star in all of the shows all of the shows all of the time, but alas, I need to work. I, I have I have bills to pay. And I like um, living, you know, I like having a roof over my head. So I, I can only have the one show for now. But now, my future friends, without further ado, let us step into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. This first story comes to us from Variety. Harrison Ford's Call of the Wild is set to lose $50 million at the box office. Its time in theaters is winding down and has not done as well as projected. In fact, it doesn't look like it's going to comp positive. And I really blame marketing and time. Because the beginning of this year really wasn't a great time for movies, especially compared to years in the past. So when there's so much nothing in the theaters that really drives you to go see a film, in my opinion, this is all my opinion, I believe that you're less likely to see something even if you want to see it. So you're like, eh, I didn't go last week, I didn't go this week, I didn't, I, I didn't go the week before, meh, I'll wait. 
and also maybe the weird looking CG dog, which still remember what I said during the uh, during the show where I talked about this. I understand it. We can't put animals in these dangerous situations and film it. And, you know, please don't do it and not film it. Please just don't do it in general. But there is a good reason why it's CG, but then it also lacks, too, because unless you have those big, big Disney dollars to just shower it with, like some billionaire's daughter's sweet 16, then it's going to look a little weird. Next up, we have a story from comicbook.com. Apparently, Baby Driver 2 has apparently been greenlit by Sony and... More of the cast is expected to return. Well, the cast had survived the first one, mind you. And I, I would like to say yay, because I really liked Baby Driver. But at the same time, sequels aren't always the answer. And this is coming from me, who they can be making Fast and the Furious 50. And I'd still be sitting there going, yeah, okay, 80-year-old Vin Diesel, I'll still watch you drift in your wheelchair. But we don't always need it. Just because a movie does well, it doesn't mean you, you really need to do it. And I hope that the people behind it actually had a good idea instead of just going, hey, we had this good film. It really worked. It was a big hit. Let's just make a sequel it if we have an idea. So I hope that's not what they did. Speaking of a sequel, we do know that Knives Out is getting a sequel. This one I'm not questioning as much because Ryan Johnson, the writer and director, is the one who wants the sequel. He has a good idea for it. He did confirm that one of the main characters is not returning for the sequel. And let me be a little more clear. One of the actors is not returning to the sequel who didn't die in the film. Because we know in the film it's about an investigation into the apparent suicide of a family's patriarch. So obviously he won't be in it unless they're doing flashbacks. But uh, I won't ruin who who's not returning to the film because the film is still fairly new and I just don't want to spoil, give any potential spoilers. If you haven't seen it, folks, this story from GameSpot, we have a movie poster for the Monster Hunter movie and this has Mila Jovovich with a huge f***ing weapon. And okay... I'm down. I fell out of love with the Resident Evil series. I'm still going to give them a try one day. I, I still will. But the Resident Evil series actually had a good story to it. The video game story is what I'm referring to here. This video games had a good story to it where the movies just kind of went, OK, we'll just take this idea, f your story. We're going to do something stupid instead where Monster Hunter isn't as popular in America. So if there is some sort of ongoing story, which I don't think there is, but if there is, it's not going to piss off as many gamers. Because if Sonic taught us anything, and like that story last week told us, listen to gamers if you're making a video game movie. All right, folks, this next story comes to us from IGN. Apparently, checking who uses an iPhone in a movie could be a spoiler for now. Ryan Johnson, director of Knives Out, said in an interview that Apple will not let a movie use an iPhone if the villain is going to visibly use it in the film. And if I needed even more reason to dislike Apple, Apple fanboys are annoying as f***. Apple products cost way too much and aren't worth it. And now Apple's being just some, what, prissy bitch saying, no, if, you're, if your bad guy is going to use our phone, we don't want to let you use it. Let bad guys use Android. Whatever, let's move on to a story from IndieWire. Apparently, Steven Spielberg has stepped away from Indiana Jones 5, and I'm even more Casernicus now, because we didn't, we don't need another Indiana Jones movie. There, there are just certain things we should walk away from. And believe me, I would like it if these people, if these companies, if these directors, writers, actors, if any of them proved me wrong by going, hey, remember this old ass series 
from 80s, maybe early, even early 90s. We're going to bring it back with the same people in it. You just watch, and I watch it go, wow, that's f***ing great. I'm glad you did this. At least with Creed bringing back Rocky, it wasn't like it's, it was another Rocky movie per se. Like Adonis Creed, that, that's, a, that's a character's name, right? Adonis Creed, whatever. He's a good character. Reportedly, Spielberg's reason for walking away is that he wants to pass along the whip to an entirely new generation to bring their perspective into the story. I swear to God, if you bring in, if you have Indiana Jones in the movie and they bring in someone younger to eventually replace him into a spinoff and they do an okay boomer joke, I'm just going to walk out. On to more sequel news. This from Digital Spy. Creed 3 is apparently moving forward, but it's a while off and there has been some changes. The first change is that the writer has changed. This is the third writer for the third movie. The first was apparently Ryan Coogler. Second was Jewel Taylor and Sylvester Stallone. And now it's looking like someone named Zach Balin will be writing the third one who wrote an upcoming movie called King Richard, which is about the father of Venus and Serena Williams. And Will Smith will be playing him. The unknown now is A, wins the release date because they don't even have a director yet. And B, will Sylvester Stallone return because at the end, Around the time of Creed 2, he said that he was practically done with the character. And with the way Creed 2 ended for Sylvester Sloan's character, we could not see him again, and it's fine, we know what happened, or we could see him again, and it doesn't mean one way or the other for what his character had set out to do. In another story from Variety, Antonio Banderas is set to join Tom Holland in the upcoming, uh, supposedly upcoming, Uncharted movie with Ruben Fle Fleischer who directed Venom, set to direct this. And ladies and gentlemen, this story from Slash Film says, if you heard the rumors that Ben Stiller was joining the cast of The Fast and the Furious, you have heard wrong. He says it is not true, sadly. Or not at all true, sadly. So maybe he'll be in for Fast and Furious 10? Because if the rumors of him being in the movie cause a big enough hubbub and Vin Diesel noticed, he'll probably put him in the film. And finally, in the news, you may have already heard, but... James Lipton, host of Inside the Actor Studio, died at the age of 93. He was suffering from bladder cancer and passed away early Monday at his home in Manhattan with his wife, Kedakai Mercedes Lipton, next to his side. I still wonder if the show is going to go on because uh, starting in 2019... Inside the Actor Studio was being hosted by different celebrities, which I think is a is a good way to do it. But really, James Lipton was inside the Actor Studio. Just the way he spoke, the way he sat, the questions he asked, his knowledge and love of movies that that's really what made the show. And if and if you've never answered them yourself, here are the ten questions that James Lipton would always ask at the end of the episode. And you don't have to tell me. I mean, you can respond, you know, tweet me, Instagram, and contact me some way with them. But I just want you to know the questions in case you didn't know them off the top of your head. What is your favorite word? What is your least favorite word? What turns you on? What turns you off? What sound or noise do you love? What sound or noise do you hate? What is your favorite curse word? What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? What profession would you not like to do? And if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? And to James Lipton, I hope God said, welcome home. And on that cheery note, it is the end of the news. Let us take our first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. 
Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. So let's start with the first trailer that caught my eye this week, and it was for a movie that I was excited for, I was really excited for it, until I saw the first trailer. Because this is based off a popular series of books, and it was picked up by Disney. So with that information, I thought this is going to be good, this is going to work, and I'm excited for it. But now the first trailer has dropped for Artemis Fowl, and I am no longer excited. So it looks like that this is not just a case of a bad first trailer, because... Because it looks like they took the book and just rewrote it. Like, this is supposed to be based off a series of books by Owen Colfer. A popular series of books, mind you. I think there were seven in total? Six or seven? It didn't get as big as Harry Potter, of course, but it was it was a noticeably big book series. And now we're finally getting a movie. Enough time has passed that it's not going to be just looked at as a Harry Potter clone, even though the the book series is far from it. But now they took it and they f*** everything up because without any spoilers for the book or movie, the best thing about Artemis Fowl is that he is a bad guy. He is the bad guy in this. In the book, he lures a fairy because he somehow knows that there is a world of magic outside of the human world that he that humans aren't supposed to know about. So he captures a fairy, or an elf, I forgot, or elves are fairies, I, I forgot exactly how it works, but he captures one of them, and then what he does is holds this fairy or elf or whatever ransom, knowing that he can get a load of fairy gold. Later on in the book series, he does turn into the good guy, but in the very first outing, the first time we see him, we learn that he is the bad guy, that he is willing to do whatever it takes to meet his goals, and this movie shows something completely different. And everything, everything that made Artemis Fowl interesting in the book is stripped away. And honestly, I expected better from Disney, because they've been doing so good for so long. If you do remember back in the day, there was a time where Disney would just make some cartoon out of a known fable, but change shit up just to make it family friendly. They would steal ideas from other people. There's still the case that a lot of people believe The Lion King was a ripoff of a Japanese anime. But no, it's not a Japanese anime. It's ripped up, ripping off. It's ripping off Hamlet, whatever. But now Disney had been doing so well. And so whoever they wrote to pen the script just decided to go, you know what, let's go a completely different angle with this. And maybe if you are interested in a kid's adventure movie, or maybe you have kids and you want to take them to see something original and they have never, ever read the book, then maybe they would enjoy this film. But right now, I am not impressed. Artemis Fowl is set to release on May 29th. Next up, we got the first trailer for Rumble, a movie set for release early 2021. This is a animated movie from 
Paramount, I think. And it looks okay. I mean, it, it did nothing to grab me. So this is about a monster who wants to join monster wrestling, which is a global sport. And this teenage girl, so there are monsters in a world full of humans. And monsters do things like wrestle. So this girl named Winnie wants to coach this lovable underdog to beat the biggest wrestler, wrestler, Tentacular, I think is his name, something weird. But this looks less like one of those animated movies like Sing or Wreck-It Ralph, Life of Pets, things like that. And more like something forgettable like Trolls or Ugly Dolls. But we'll see as more trailers get released. As the movie comes closer to being out, we'll see, but it, it seems really early for a trailer, doesn't it? It's oh a little under a year away, but whatever. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the next trailer that hit the scene since the last episode was the one for Candyman. This was, of course, based off the original Candyman starring, starring Tony Todd, and this is written, by, written and produced by Jordan Peele. And directed by Nia DaCosta. Let's see what she's done. Little Woods, Top Boy, uh, nothing I'm familiar with. But I am interested in this. I, I liked the first Candyman, though when I was a child and saw it, it scared the bejesus out of me. Like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween. I was fine with those, but Candyman f***ing got me. So I'm very, very interested in revisiting this, especially this new vision on it. This is called a spiritual sequel, so it's not a remake, so it's kind of a reboot then? The downside is that I'm looking at the IMDb page here, and I do see Tony Todd's name, but I do not see Candyman by it. So, sure, okay, I'm glad he's in it, I'm glad he has something to say, or something to say, he, he had some part in it, that's what makes me happy. And I'm looking forward to this when this comes out sometime this year, let's see, June 12th. All right, my future friends, next up, let's talk about a movie called Charm City Kings. This is a movie that's apparently produced by Will and Jada Pinkin Smith. And this is about a 14-year-old boy who really wants to join something called the Midnight Click. It's an infamous group of dirt bikers in Baltimore who are known for being the best. They have the best bikes, they do the best tricks, and he wants to be part of it. So he tries to join this group. Little does he know, there's... A little more to the group than just awesome bikes and tricks. Maybe there's some danger involved. So he finds himself getting into some pretty bad sh**. So what we have is a familiar but an important story, it looks like, of this kid who is, you know, kind of lives in a bad neighborhood. And he wants to join this group. But hey, look, looks like it's dangerous. But he doesn't see what other options does he have. But there is hope for him. There is hope that he won't go this route where his it seems like his friends are going, where his older brother went. And we've seen lots of movies like this before. We've seen movies about gang life and, and things like that, about young men and the choices that they make. And even though we've seen them before, it's really important to hear these stories and to, and to get them out there, even if they are fiction, just to put it out there to go, hey, look, we have this story here. It can relate to real life. There are options out there. You don't have to turn to crime and all this and all this really bad shit. I think it looks good. It looks like a movie that will not make it big. It's not going to blow up. But you know what? You'll, you may watch it and you'll go, hey, that was pretty good. And then it's a film, film you can pass along to your friends and just share some good cinema. That comes out April 10th. 
And ladies and gentlemen, let's finish out the trailer trove with the last trailer that caught my eye. And once again, if I miss anything, let me know. But this is for a animated movie from Sony called Connected and stars the, uh, well, features the voices of, um, who are the big ones? Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, Olivia Coleman, and Eric Andre. And when I was watching the trailer, at first I was not impressed because it just starts out with this typical story of some a bunch of millennials just on their phones all the time. And the dad is like, hey, let's let's talk. Let's not be on our phones all the time. This typical old hat, unoriginal idea of just this generation gap made bigger by technology. But then it gets interesting because they're on a road trip to take their eldest daughter to college. And while they're on the road trip, this new product is released and it's this robot that's supposed to help people, but then it goes evil. So now they have to survive and fight against all technology, basically, together as a family. So with the trailer, what started out as a boring old idea is now pretty interesting. And I think this looks good. I can't wait to see it. And with that, we are at the end of the trailer trove. So like I said before, if I missed anything, please let me know and I will talk about it in the next episode. There are a couple I skipped. Well, actually quite a few that I skipped. So I talked about the ones that interest me the most. But seriously, if there's one I missed and you think it's worth talking about, let me know because I could have missed it. Or even if I don't find it interesting, you do. So I'll, I'll talk about it. So let us take our next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. And we will be right back with the limited releases. Please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, and we're back with the limited release movie. So let's start with one called Final Kill. An aging protection specialist takes on one last job before retirement, protecting a couple who stole $8 million from a ruthless crime family. This stars Billy Zane from Titanic, Danny Trejo from Machete, James Russo from Django Unchained, and Randy Couture from The Expendables. And, and I know... It's super judgmental of me, and I know it's not always the case, and I know that <laughs> um, one day it's going to bite me in the ass for saying it, but I'm going to say it again right now. There are certain things that when you find out a movie either has a certain person in it or is about something, you, you just kind of tune out. You're just like, nah. And it's usually starring WWE superstar or starring MMA fighter, and yes, that includes Randy Couture. Next up, we have a film called Run This Town, an emerging political scandal in Toronto in 2013 seen through the eyes of young staffers at City Hall and a local newspaper. This stars Damian Lewis from Band of Brothers, 
Menem Assad from Aladdin, Ben Platt from Pitch Perfect, Nina Dobrev from The Perks of Being a Wallflower, Scott Speedman from Underworld, and Jennifer L. from Zero Dark Thirty. And this was the movie I talked about a couple weeks ago that looks like it's it's along the lines of The Big Short and Spotlight, but the trailer doesn't tell you shit, really. And it just does that thing where they'll just take a scene where someone says something like, oh my god, or what did I just see, or is that even legal? And you and gives you no context for anything just to make it sound like their movie's interesting. So no thank you, I'm going to skip this. Alright, the next film coming out this week in the limited section is called Beneath Us. The American dream becomes a nightmare for a group of undocumented day laborers hired by a wealthy couple. What they expected to be their biggest payday turns into a terrifying fight for survival. This stars Lynn Collins from X-Men Origins Wolverine, James Tupper from Big Little Lies, Rigo Sanchez from Station 19, and Nicholas Gonzalez from The Good Doctor. Like, this one really had promise, but the, the trailer just didn't get me there. It, it It's about these, well, just what it sounds like, this, this white couple hires these day laborers, you know, the people who sit outside of places like Home Depot looking for work, to do some work for them, but then it turns out that these have a people, these people have a history of hiring day laborers to complete work and killing them instead of paying them. So maybe one day later we'll see a movie like this that just looks a little better. Next up in the limited section, we have Escape from Pretoria. Based on the real-life prison break of two political captives set during the apartheid days of South Africa. This stars Daniel Radcliffe from Swiss Army Man, Ian Hart from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and Daniel Weber from 112263. That's right, this was a movie I said, uh, I believe I said looked interesting last week, but I just watched a trailer again, and this looks entirely skippable. Next up is a movie you've heard me bitch about before called Swallow. Hunter, a newly pregnant housewife, finds herself increasingly compelled to consume dangerous objects. As her husband and his family tighten their control over her life, she must confront the dark secret behind her new obsession. This stars Haley Bennett from The Magnificent Seven, the 2016 version, Austin Stowell from Whiplash, and Elizabeth Marvel from Homeland. Again, another movie that could have been interesting, but one that suffers from bullshit indie movie syndrome. So if you want to know what I'm talking about, watch a trailer. That's exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about bullshit indie movie trailers. And finally, in the limited release section, we have a movie called Baccarat. After the death of her grandmother, Teresa comes home to her matriarchal village in a near-future Brazil to find a succession of sinister events that mobilizes all of its residents. This is a Brazilian movie! And now we're at the end of the limited release section, so let us take another break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast. Please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. 
All right, everyone, we are back with the wide releases and interesting indies. So let's start this off actually with the movie Emma that we talked about in episode 164. Emma is getting a wider release now. So if it's not already in your area, maybe it's going to be now. Once again, Emma set in 1800s England, a well-meaning but selfish young woman meddles in the love lives of her friends based on the na- novel Naval, <laughs> based on the Naval, the Naval by Jane Aston. Good old Jane Aston stars Anya Taylor-Joy from Split, Bill Nye from Love Actually, Miranda Hart from Spy, Tanya Reynolds from Sex Education, Jack O'Connor from The Crown, Gemma Whelan from Game of Thrones, Mia Goth from Everest, Callum Turner from Green Room, and Rupert Graves from Death at a Funeral. I talked about it on the on episode 164. It got pick of the week and it got an 8 out of 11. I'm not going to talk about it again. We already talked about this film. I think it looks like a very beautiful looking period piece. What's not to love? Next up in the limited section is just an interesting looking documentary called The Booksellers. This is a behind the scenes look at the New York rare book world. And that that's really it. I, I love books. I love rare books. I don't own many rare books. Um or technically any, really. Just one of my rarest books is just hard to find, but nothing I could nothing I could sell and, you know, buy something fancy with. But it just seems really interesting learning about the, the world of rare books and how it's becoming harder, but there's new life being breathed into this by younger people. One of the people that owns a rare bookstore in New York in this trailer says that it's really hopeful because she, when she rides a subway, she sees a lot of 20 something year olds reading more so than in years past. So it gives her hope for the world of books and yay. Let's, let's never let books die. Books are amazing. And I do love, I I do love my Kindle and I love eBooks. I think eBooks are better for the environment, but I just love a physical book. I, I just love it. Once again, with documentaries, you know the deal. You're, you either care enough about the topic to watch it or you don't. So you already know if you're ever going to check this out. The Booksellers gets a 7.5 out of 11. All right, folks, next up, we have a film called Spencer Confidential. When two Boston police officers are murdered, ex-cop and newly released inmate Spencer teams up with his no-nonsense roommate Hawk to take down criminals. This stars Mark Wahlberg from The Fighter, Winston Duke from Us, Alan Arkin from Little Miss Sunshine, Colleen Camp from Police Academy 2, Bokeem Woodbine from Spider-Man Homecoming, Eliza Schlesinger from, well, she's a stand-up comic, actually, uh, Mark Marin from Marin, and a rapper by the name of Post Malone. This is a Netflix original movie, so by the time you're listening to this episode, it's probably already out to watch. And this, if if you think you recognize the name Spencer, and you don't automatically think Psych with the character Sean Spencer, then you may be thinking about the Robert B. Parker books because he wrote a metric crap ton of books about private private detective Spencer. There's a TV show based on him called Spencer for Hire on ABC in the mid-80s, and he wrote about 40 novels. The series has now been taken over by someone named, um, let's see, Ace Atkins. And see, that's something I wish books would stop. Just because we have how many books in a series, and then instead of just retiring the character, or if the author dies, hire someone to do one final book and then retire the character, instead of that, they just pass the person along to a new author 
who just takes over. And okay, I, I guess I see, I see why with Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson, I saw why, because there was a plan for all the books, the, a complete plan, and Robert Jordan died. Brandon Sanderson, a fantastic fantasy author, just took it over to finish the series because there was an end to the Wheel of Time. So he did that. But if you take like the Mitch Rapp novels by Vince Flynn, he hired Kyle Mills to take over writing them. We don't need more Mitch Rapp, thank you very much. Either way, this movie looks okay. It really does. It doesn't look bad. It doesn't look great. If I skip this film, I really don't think I'm going to be missing out on anything. But if I do watch it, it's going to be entertaining. It's a crime comedy with Mark Wahlberg. What's not to like? Winston Duke is in this as well. He he does good work. Winston Duke, a you know more recent name, the his first ever acting job was an episode of Law and Order in 2014. Then he really did a bunch of TV until he was hired to play Mbaku, and then he was in Us, and then he was in Avengers Endgame, and now he's someone. And isn't that just a wonderful kind of story where we have someone who's a, a TV actor, and there's nothing wrong with TV actors, mind you, nothing wrong with it at all, but we have someone who's bouncing around from TV show to TV show. Winston Duke did Law & Order, Special Victims Unit, Person of Interest, The Messengers, Major Crimes, and Modern Family, and then explodes because he got the chance. And that is one positive to the Marvel movies. You know I love the Marvel movies, but there are a lot of haters out there. And one of the positives is how many people now are household names. A lot of them, a lot of these people were already famous. Yes, but how many of them are huge now? And how many more people does this bring into the light? Like Chris Evans was already an actor. Now Chris Evans is a household name. Chris Pratt was just that funny guy from Parks and Rec. Now he's an action star with a ripped physique. Who was, oh, what's the other Chris's name? Chris, Chris Hemsworth. Who the f*** was he? He was just some Aussie on some soap opera, right? Now everyone knows him. And while Winston Duke may not have that level of fame, people know him now. He's getting work and he's good. So once again, like I said, this film doesn't look bad, but you also have to keep in mind that this is a Netflix original movie, so you already have Netflix. It will cost you nothing extra except, how long? How long is this film? Let us see. Let's get back there. Spencer Confidential. It is an hour and 51 minutes. It'll cost you two hours of your life. Who doesn't have two hours to spare when it costs you no money? on a movie that could be entertaining. I, I think this is worth a shot. Spencer Confidential gets a 7 out of 11. All right, folks, let's talk about a film called First Cow. It's a film about your mama. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it's not. Your mother's great, probably. Uh, First Cow, it's about a skilled cook who has traveled west and joined a group of fur trappers in Oregon. Through that, he finds tr a true connection with a Chinese immigrant also seeking his fortune, but soon the two collaborate on a very successful business. This stars John Magaro from Carol, Orion Lee from Tyrant, Rene Abagenois from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the late Rene Abagenois in his final role, Toby Jones from The Painted Veil, Ewan Bremer, Bremner? Ewan Bremner, I think, from Trainspotting, and Alia Shawkat from Arrested Development. This is actually a better week for movies than I thought going into it. This film looks interesting. It really does, because we have this kind of, not buddy cop per se, but just a buddy period dramedy going on where we have these people, and life is hard up in Oregon in the 
17, 1800s, whenever, whenever this fur trapping was a big business and they're having a hard time making ends meet. And based on the trailer, they start stealing milk at night from the first cow in the area. This rich person brings in a cow for milk and then at night before anyone's awake, they go and milk the cow. So in the morning, there's no milk for the owner of the cow, but they take it all and they start baking or cooking something, whatever, some sort of probably griddle cake that these people who live in the woods out in the middle of nowhere go crazy for. So what could possibly go wrong? They're stealing milk from the richest person in the area in the middle of the night to make food. What? Nothing can go wrong with this. So not only is it, is it an interesting idea, the trailer just shows this well put together, well thought out, well presented movie that is definitely worth a shot. And you know me, yay, Asians in movies, woo! First cow gets a seven out of 11. All right, let's talk about the first of two Bill Nye movies coming out this week. And remember, it's not the science guy, it's the British actor Bill Nye. The first one is called Hope Gap. A couple's visit with their son takes a dramatic turn when the father reveals that he's planning on leaving his wife. This stars Josh O'Connor from The Crown, Annette Benning from American Beauty, Bill Nye from Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and Aisha Hart from BBC's Atlantis. So we have to talk about the questionable thing here. And that's Annette Benning doing a British accent. It seems like she does a great job, but... I'm always super on edge in a movie that has someone who is not British doing an accent. Well, doing a British accent. And I think it's because when you hear a bad British accent, it's just cringy. Like if, if you and I were hanging out and I just did one, it might be funny. And you might go, oh, hey, that, that was pretty, well, it was bad, but hey, it's, at least it's funny. And that's fine. But when you're presenting it in a movie and it's off, that's really bad because it's a big part of your job. The good news is from the trailer, it seems like she does a good job. But, and Anne is really good at this. I am not. She is good at picking up when actors slip. Especially, because remember, there's not just one British accent. There's, they, they differ based on where in the UK you're from. Or, you know, where in, where in Britain you're from. England. Whatever they call it. And she's even picked up when a actor from the UK, from one part of the UK, is doing an accent from another part, and when they slip, and she's like, oh, did you hear that? I'm like, no, I can't fucking tell what you're talking about. But what I can tell is when an American actor is doing a terrible job at it, and and I, I'm sorry, Winona Ryder, but yeah, we're going to keep bringing that up. It, it's a thing now. But that one possibly cringy thing aside, this looks like a solid film. It just looks like one of those films that n nothing about it grabs me. Nothing about it makes me go, hey, you have to watch this film. The only thing that's drawing me to it is the cast and the fact that the trailer made it made it look okay. But nothing else about it is grabbing me, holding my head, going, you watch this. You watch this right now. I'm like, okay, scary hands that are holding my head. Okay, let's be honest. Not a lot of movies really have that effect either, but especially with this one, especially seeing that there are two Bill Nye movies coming out this week, if you have to pick one, I'm saying pick the next one, though Hope Gap really doesn't look bad. And it's also a very, 
real story. Shit happens in life. People fall out of love. It is it is tragic. It is sad, but it happens, especially when the feelings aren't the same. And it seems like in this film, it's Bill Nye falling out of love and that Benny's not quite ready for it. And with this movie, we know there's quite a few ways it could end. Like they can rekindle their relationship and then, oh, we have a happy ending. They could have what Gwyneth Paltrow called a mutual uncoupling and they go their separate ways. Oh, that's sad, but at least there's promise or it could just be devastating. Either way, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But Hope Gap doesn't look bad. It looks like a movie to maybe keep an eye on. Maybe one day your local library will get it and you can borrow it and check it out. That's what kind of movie this is. Hope Gap gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, everyone. Up next, we have a film called Sometimes Always Never, a detective fantasy where a love of words helps a father reconnect with his missing son. That piss-poor synopsis comes from IMDb, so from what I gather from the trailer, this film is about... This gentleman, older man, played by Bill Nye. Oh, let's let's go over the cast. Bill Nye from Detective Pikachu, Sam Riley from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, Alice Lowe from Hot Fuzz, and Jenny Agutter, I think, from Logan's Run. So this movie is about this old man who has his son's gone missing. I'm not the I'm not sure if the son has actually gone missing, like police have looked for him. Or if the son just left because they had a fight. And I'm pretty sure they had some sort of falling out. And now the, the father's older and he wants to try and reconnect. So he searches for his son. And the one thing they had in common was a love of words and crosswords. Not crosswords. That's me and my dad. Um, Scrabble. So along with his other son, the one who didn't run away, they go and look for the missing kid. Well, I say kid, but he's an adult. And I'm pretty sure he's an adult when he left, when he last talked to his father. So it's not like some super shitty parent situation where a kid ran away and they're just like, ah, fuck him. He's okay. And then the kid releases a memoir called Educated. No, that that's something else. But this looks good. This looks like a movie that's that's a little bit better than Hope Gap. Where Hope Gap didn't look bad. This one just looks a little more, well, a little happier, even though it is kind of a, a sad subject as well. So a little happier. And that doesn't always make it better, mind you. But in my oh-so-humble opinion, if something can be happier and better, I think that's the one you should pick. So if you do go see any Bill Nye movie this week, I think sometime, Sometimes Always Never is the better choice. Though I don't think you can go wrong with Hope Gap. Sometimes Always Never gets a 7.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie called Go Back to China. No, that's not me being super racist or a documentary about the coronavirus. No, this is a movie. That's a terrible joke. Can I say that? F*** it. Balls to the wall. I'll leave it in. This is a movie about a spoiled rich girl named Sasha Lee and how she blows through most of her trust fund. She is cut off by her father and the rest of her trust fund is frozen and she is forced to go back to China to work for the family toy business in order to earn the rest of her money. This stars... Anna Akana from Let It Snow, and Kelly Hu from X-Men 2. And I have a question about X-Men 2. If you look it up now, it's called X2 X-Men United. Do any of you, because I think a lot of you are, are the same age, similar age maybe, or at least those who interact with me are a similar age, do any of you remember when the second X-Men movie came out? Was X-Men United really part of the title? Or was this kind of like a edge of tomorrow thing where they changed it after the fact 
Edge of Tomorrow, of course, was the original title for a movie that was changed to Live, Die, Repeat. And then the sequel was supposed to be Live, Die, Repeat, Repeat. But now it's it's still in this weird flux where some people are calling it Edge of Tomorrow and Edge of Tomorrow 2. And some people are calling it Live, Die, Repeat and Live, Die, Repeat, Repeat. But with X-Men United, do any of you out there remember it? The title, that is. So this doesn't look like a bad movie. This This could have easily easily been a very very predictable very stereotypical movie because let's face it when it comes to movies featuring asian families asian in general not just chinese japanese korean asian families in general there's there's a very typical story we hear about being loyal to the family about a maybe out of control child or a child that's just trying to break out on their own and versus them versus the family that wants them to stay in this little family box. And while this movie kind of is about this, about this girl who who kind of forgets that family matters, you know, she's out partying and everything. It's not this same story about an overbearing father trying to force the old ways on his daughter. It's more about a father seeing his out of control daughter and saying, Hey, maybe coming back to work for the family is a good way to put your life into perspective. So it's a little bit more refreshing in that angle. You guys know me. I probably would have supported the movie even if it was a little more stereotypical with it being an Asian cast and all. Because yes, I am that transparent, but I do like the fact that we have a story that could have easily been a trope kind of avoid it. This film looks good, but something to check out later. Maybe, like I've said before, borrow it from your library, check for it on streaming. It just doesn't seem like a theater watch. Go Back to China gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, my future friends, we have a movie called The Burnt Orange Heresy. Hired to steal a rare painting from one of the most enigmatic painters of all time, an ambitious art dealer becomes consumed by his own greed and insecurity as the operation spins out of control. This stars Elizabeth Debicki from Widows, Klaus Bang, which is the best name, from The Girl in the Spider's Web, Donald Sutherland from The Castle of the Living Dead, and Mick Jagger, who apparently uh, was on some show called Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. I'm not sure if he's done anything else in his career. No, but seriously, Mick Jagger in a movie, I've looked at his IMDb page and almost all of his listings are for music videos. So I don't know what made him want to do a movie, but all right, cool. It looks like he does a good job in this. And by that, I think he was really wise in choosing his role. I don't know if they reached out to him or if he reached out to them going, hey, I want to make a movie. Who has one? And someone's like, I do. You can play this super rich guy who hires someone to steal a painting from a a crazy artist. Because from the trailer, I liked the work that Mick Jagger did. But also, I'm not sure how much of a stretch really this is. It's kind of like if you if you had David Bowie play some really suave, glamorous person who's equally over the top and subdued. If that part was a little confusing, just watch David Bowie in Zoolander. And how he doesn't really do much. He just says he's going to judge the the uh, the walk off. So he's a little more he's a little subdued in that role, but he still exerts exudes. I mean, he still exudes this David Bowie energy. Like F- you, I am David Bowie. While I'm sitting here being calm, 
And I don't want to take anything at all away from Mick Jagger. I just think that this could have been a a good choice on his part as opposed to acting skill that's been hidden for for decades. But let's talk about the rest of the film. This looks interesting. I'm still not sure how to feel because it has a good cast. I'm not very, very familiar with Klaus. I think that's how you say it. C-L-A-E-S with Klaus Bang. But everyone else I'm either familiar with in the terms of Mick Jagger or I like in terms of Elizabeth Debicki and Donald Sutherland. This is an interesting idea, a mix of a familiar heist movie with something a little more cerebral, kind of. This looks like an interesting film. It could be very entertaining. But either way, I don't see this being a favorite. I see this being the kind of movie you watch and you go, hey, yeah, that was good. I am, I'm glad I watched this. I might recommend it to a few people, but I don't need to own it. It doesn't need to be on streaming for me. I watch it just one time, and now I'm good. The Burnt Orange Heresy gets a 7 out of 11. All right, folks, two movies left, and I'm pretty sure you know what the pick is because I had already mentioned that I was really excited about this film. So let's tell you about the last movie that's not the pick of the week, which is called The Way Back. A former high school basketball phenom struggling with alcoholism is offered a coaching job at his old alma mater. As the team starts to win, he may have a reason to confront his old demons. But will it be enough to set him on the road to redemption? This stars Ben Affleck from The Accountant, Michaela Watkins from Britney Runs a Marathon, and Hayes McArthur from Angie Tribeca. I like Ben Affleck. I know a lot of people don't. My wife's one of those people. I get it. I do. But I like his work. I like it. But in the same way, I mentioned that maybe this isn't the the role Mick Jagger played in the Burnt Orange Heresy isn't too much of a stretch. Kind of like maybe David Bowie being the kind of person who would be a judge for some sort of male model walk off. That's not too much of a stretch. Ben Affleck playing someone who's struggling with alcoholism isn't much of a stretch. But Unlike those other two roles, I think this one has a chance of being very, either very uncomfortable, very powerful, or both. Okay, let's be honest, there's also the chance it can suck, but I'm trying to be positive here. <laughs> rumor has it, and not even rumor, I, I'm pretty sure he mentioned this in an interview, that Ben Affleck said one reason he would never return to Batman is because it got him back into drinking. He, it, he fell off the wagon. And apparently he's a bad boy when he falls off the wagon, so let's... Maybe, even though I did like Batfleck, maybe we encourage him to, hey, not do things that encourage you to drink. But instead, we have this movie that could even be catharsis for him, or could have been, since he already record, uh, made this movie as, as it's coming out this week, duh. But this has the chance of being very powerful, and it just happens to be a, a sports movie about these underdogs who start to realize that maybe they're worth something, Maybe they just need someone to believe in them and a coach that knows what it's what they're doing. So we have two things here, two separate stories that seem to work together really well. A redemption story for the coach and a redemption story for a team that just can't win. Just think Mighty Ducks if Coach Bombay was an alcoholic. But once again, just like so many times before on the show, every week this is an issue where we have to ask ourselves... What makes us go to the theater? And for me, like I've said before, it is something that's going to make the theater worth it. I mean, not always. I did see Little Women in theaters, and I am glad I did because the big screen is an experience. 
but I don't think Little Women would have suffered if I saw it on the smaller screen. So remember, if you ever just want to go to the theater, you don't have to see something that's big and flashy, but it always helps. And there are certain movies that are just worth it more on the big screen. This year's Parasite, whatever breakout indie film we're going to have this year, will be just as good at home. But if you still want to watch it in theaters, good for you. Do it. I support it. But for some of us, to go to a theater, we need a little more. So you have to ask yourself, does this movie speak to you enough to make you want to go to the theater? It doesn't to me. I want to watch this. I will watch it at home one day. I will see the next movie in the theater because I am pretty excited for it. I don't think The Way Back will be bad at all. I don't. I think this is going to be a solid film, but something I'll enjoy just as much from the comfort of my couch. The Way Back gets an 8 out of 11. And next up, my future friends, we have the final film of the week, the pick of the week, which is called Onward. Set in a suburban fantasy world, two teenage elf brothers embark on a quest to discover if there's still magic out there. This features the voices of Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, John Ratzenberger, Tracy Ullman, Ali Wong, Lena Waithe, and Octavia Spencer. And yeah, who's ready to cry? Raise your hand. Who is ready to watch another Pixar film where they will hit you in the feels? Because that's what they do. They make good films with good stories that you that usually don't play fair. Like the beginning of Up is not fair. There's no way it's fair. The ending of Toy Story 3, no way that's fair. They know how to play dirty. And just based on the trailer, we know this one is going to hit you right in the feels. Because what this IMDb premise didn't tell you is that these two elf brothers, they don't have their father. Father died before they were, not before they were born. That'd be silly. They died before they can even remember him. And then one day their mother gives them something, something their father left for them. It turns out to be a magic staff. And it says that I want to see my boys grown up. And so they use a staff. It starts to bring back their father. And then halfway through, it stops. There's a Something happens with the spell because magic's been gone forever. So maybe they didn't they didn't know what they're doing. And something interrupts the spell and only half their father comes back. It's just pants and shoes. So then they have to go on a quest. These two brothers go on a quest to complete the spell because they only have 24 hours to complete it or their father will disappear. I think we can all see where the story's going. I think we can all see how it's going to end, but... What's important about this film and what's driving me to see it is the journey, is how they get there, is the story of these brothers connecting over this road trip about their mutual love of family and wanting to see the father they didn't really know. I think the elder brother kind of remembers the father, kind of, and the younger one doesn't even, never even met the father because he was but a wee baby. And another thing that makes me want to see this film is that I could be 100% wrong. With Disney Pixar films, sometimes I've 100% predicted the ending. I saw it coming, and it didn't matter because the journey was fun. The journey was enjoyable. It's a good film. And other times, I didn't see it coming. Either that or I did see some of it coming, but some of it came out of nowhere, and I was pleasantly surprised. Either way... What's important is that overall, they make good films. Their worst films are the Cars series, and those are, at the very least, entertaining. 
Onward had been on my radar since I first heard about it, since all we had, all we had about it was a title and a basic premise. This had been on my radar. It's a very interesting idea. We don't, we don't see movies a lot that have a, that, that are fantasy, but take place in a modern-like world. And I wouldn't even call, I, I might call this urban fantasy, but I'm used to urban fantasy being fantasy mov- movies or books that take place in our world. But in this world, elves and ogres, manticores, sphinxes, all these all these magical creatures exist in a world with technology, with phones and cars and movies of their own, nine to five jobs. So this is a truly good idea. And since this is not Disney of old, where I would start to look from what original source they stole it from, I'm excited for an original idea. And even though I love sequels and reboots and all all the Marvel stuff, I love all of that. It is great to see an original movie coming out that's also a big film by a big company. That they didn't just take something, oh, what's the next popular book? What's the next popular uh, TV show or something we can base off of? What's an old movie we can remake? They had a good idea. But of course, that's Pixar's M.O., and it's very good that when Disney acquired Pixar, they just let Pixar be. They're like, okay, we'll we'll just fund you and we'll help you out, but you be you and you keep doing this great shit. If a Pixar movie is coming out during a week, it's a pretty good bet that's going to be my pick unless something spectacular is coming out because Pixar is a wonderful, reliable producer of movies. And I think Onward looks like it's going to be a blast. Onward gets an 11 out of 11. All right, my future friends, that is it for this round of movies. Let us go into the question of the week after a word from our good, good friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. And we're back with the question of the week. And if you do not remember, let me remind you that last week's question of the week was, which award-winning film from the past 10 years do you think is overrated? Let's go to our first answer from Brian Q. Brian Q, who said, Bohemian Rhapsody. The music is great, the film is trash, and Rami Malek's prosthesis won not his acting. I can't give my opinion on that yet, as I still haven't seen the film, and I'm hoping I won't agree. No offense to you at all. I'm hoping I don't. I'm hoping I'll like it. But there's just so much hype behind it that I I do have the feeling I, I might agree, at the very least, a little, if not a lot. We didn't get an answer from Critter, but he did say something about my comments about the boy. And I'm not going to share the whole thing because it was just a message to me, not not necessarily about the show. He did make a comment that someone he knew back then made a comment that the boy took place in modern day. So why was his favorite toy, the, the child's favorite toy, a doll and not a Game Boy or something? And yeah, that's a really good point. Here we go, child. Would you like a video game or a creepy ass doll? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. We now turn to Anne for the next answer who says a marriage story. 
because she likes to steal my answers. No, I th- she thought of it first. I disagree. She says, as I think it only got popular because of the big names attached to it. If it was a movie made more for the indie scene with unknown actors, it definitely wouldn't have gotten as much hype. I think half of the people just liked it because they finally saw Scarlett Johansson do something that vaguely resembled acting. Thank you. And The Greatest Showman, this is another a- uh, answer of hers, as all the characters sucked and lacked genuine depth, the soundtrack was its only saving grace. It tried to do too much. Good answers. I liked those. And now I can't use Marriage Story for my own answer. So what should I say? Hmm. I just actually came from the library where I got Parasite. So I'm going to be watching that soon. And then I'll have an opinion on it. But for now, I don't. So Anne and I recently watched Ladybird, And she actually helped remind me that this was an answer of mine because I I was generally thinking of, oh, Oscar movies. Lady Bird didn't actually win any Oscars, but it won a lot of other awards. But I think it was very overrated. It wasn't a bad film. We didn't hate it, but I just didn't see the point. When it was all done, I just thought, okay, that happened. I have no desire to ever watch it again. And it no one particularly did a bad job at all. I think all the actors did a fine job. I think it was just a sh- story. She also helped me remember The Neon Demon, which won a bunch of cinematography and visual effects awards, and that movie is just utter shit. And even though she doesn't agree with me, La La Land for me goes on that uh, go, goes on this list because I think it was highly, highly overrated. It was a mediocre at best story with some beautiful shots and interesting songs. There are some parts of the film I really liked, but overall, the story was lackluster and forgettable. So those were my answers, and it's time for another question of the week that you can give me your answers for, and I'll talk about them on the show next week. So, in memory, in memory of James Lipton, riddle me this. You get to ask your favorite actor or actress a question. Who is it, and what one question will you ask them? So, in in honor of James Lipton... You get to ask your favorite actor or actress a question. Who do you pick and what do you ask them? All right. Well, thank you once again for listening. This has been episode 166 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Let me send you along your way with the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Billiam SWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. 
and I'll see you in the future.